everyone, welcome back to the Layman's channel. Uh, my name's Martin, I'll once again be guiding you through the scriptures as we once again look at uh, the subject that we're, uh, that we're embracing over these uh, last few weeks and the next few weeks to come where we're looking at the things uh, and the scriptures where Jesus said, I am. I really do hope that you are finding these uh, studies useful. And if you are, then I, I hope that you will uh, share with your friends and family that you will like these videos and make even make a comment because all these things they do help in the end uh, right without further ado let's uh, let's pray father we want to thank you for your greatness and your awesomeness to each and every one of us lord i want to thank you for your grace and your mercy the lord god that you uh, have done so many wonderful things for us and lord i pray right now in jesus name that you would once again, Lord God, allow your word to become a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And that, Lord, that when your word does come into us, Lord God, and enter us, Lord, that it will bring light and understanding to each one. That, Lord, that these uh, messages would be a spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. Lord, that would see hearts and lives transformed by the power of your word. And, Father, once again, I humble myself before you and I want to thank you for the great precious promises that you've given me lord that you said that you would anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of god and that you would use me to flow through as a conduit so lord do these do those things right now in jesus name not for my glory but for yours and for yours only amen okay um we're going to continue from where we left off last week when we studied Jesus being from above and uh, I'm going to go back to the scripture that we used for that study in uh, John chapter 8 which says and verse 23 which says you are from beneath I am from above you are of this world I am not of this world so this week uh, we're going to continue by looking at the the last two or well, the, the last phrase of that verse in John chapter 8 and verse 23 which says you are of this world and I am not of this world. Personally, um, I think that that's something that we really do need to grasp. Um, that truth is so important. Um, as I think it's one of the keys for each of us to fully understand the full majesty and the full glory of the Christ we committed our lives to. And once we get to that place where that truth is within us, then it will allow us to forget about the troubles of our own lives and instead, as Hebrews 12 so eloquently puts it, be truly able to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I don't need to say too much about us being of this world. Because each of us has personal experience of what that means. However, if you do want to know more about the subject of the world, then I'll put some links below in the description of two previous studies on that subject that I did in, uh, in April 2021. And I'll insert the links below if you want to have a look at that study about us being in the world and about the world in general. Okay, before we press on into the study, let's lay down the foundation. 
um, it's most important that we understand the language being used by the author, as it will give us the specifics rather than the generalities of what Jesus meant. He said, you are of this cosmos, I am not of this cosmos. And back in April, in those two videos um, I just mentioned, we understood from our study of the world that cosmos is the more expansive Greek word that is used, which basically means all of creation, which includes the world, the universe, its worldly affairs and the inhabitants of the world. In other words, the cosmos is the world that we are from and are a part of. It's the world you can see and touch. If you can see it with the naked eye or a telescope or with a microscope, then it is part of this cosmos. If you can hear it, smell it, touch it, taste it or see it, then it's part of the cosmos. Everything modern day science is all about is about studying the cosmos. In fact, man has spent billions in an effort to understand the cosmos around him and to glean as much knowledge as he can about it. And it is this cosmos that we are from when Jesus says we are not of his world and that he is not part of ours. He is not of this world. So with all that in mind, here comes Jesus, a physical man you could see, all intents and purposes, a part of this cosmos. You could see him, touch him, hear him and smell him. And he was saying something so wild and outrageous that it not only confounded his listeners, it, in, it angered them too. But not just for them in that day. Indeed, it has been a source of contention throughout the last 2,000 years for those who think they know something about it. Let me insert my humble layman's opinion of those words, I am not of this cosmos. If Jesus said that about himself, then I believe him when he says it. And I believe the scriptures bear all the evidence of the origins of Jesus we need in order to comprehend him not being part of this cosmos. Jesus was in the world, but he was not of this world. So with all that in mind, how could this physical man not be from the same place as every other human being on the planet? Tis a mystery for sure, especially for those without faith. For the likes of you and I, though, it's an essential part of our faith. Let's examine the scriptures and the words of Jesus together so that our faith can be strengthened into the one who is not of this world. Please bear in mind that this isn't going to be an exhaustive study. And I urge you to study this for yourself and to use the links below as study aids. When Jesus was in a midnight conversation with a man called Nicodemus, 
he said this, and you can find this in John chapter 3 and verses 11 to 15. Let's read the scriptures. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Jesus establishes here the fact that he is from heaven and is not of this world. So where is heaven? The trite answer to that question is that the eternal heaven is where God is and is a place where believers definitely go to when they die and ordinary unbelieving folk only hope to get to, but in the end will miss out. Obviously, heaven isn't somewhere where mere mortals can perceive whilst we are stuck in bodies that are of this world. And my humble opinion, and my humble opinion only, is that heaven must be some kind of alternate spiritual dimension. But is it still a part of this cosmos? Remember, the cosmos is all things in the universe. And I don't really want to get all intellectual here and get into things that I couldn't possibly understand, even if you paid me to. Because I don't want to confuse myself or you for that matter either. Having said that, science does theorise that there are at least 10 dimensions to the universe or cosmos we are a part of. If that is true, then science has only confirmed what the medieval Jewish scholar Nachmanides determined by studied the, when he studied the first book of Genesis in the 13th century. For those who really want to get into superstring theory about dimensional physics and a Christian response, I'll leave links in the description. But we do know that science can only observe and theorise about the cosmos we are a part of. And Jesus said he wasn't of this cosmos. Then the world that Jesus came from must be a world that is separate from the world or the universe or the cosmos that we find ourselves in. It must be separate because sin has tainted this cosmos and God cannot live in a sinful place. Not just because he cannot abide sin, but also because anything sinful must be destroyed in his holy presence. That's why he sent his son into the world, so that ultimately it can be redeemed. In John 3 and verse 17 we read, for God did not send his son into the cosmos to condemn the cosmos, but that the cosmos through him might 
be saved. Now, we all understand that scripture states that everything must be established through the testimony of two or three witnesses. So let's look at some testimony about Jesus not being of this world. Firstly, what did Jesus say about himself? In John chapter 6, Jesus once again testifies to his origins when he said in verse 33, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And again in verse 38 of John 6, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It's important to note here that Jesus did not just come to our world for a vacation. He was sent into our world with a purpose and a mission to do the will of the Father. It wasn't just a fly-by-night thing he decided to do on a whim. It was something that was planned from before the foundation of the world. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, we read that all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And he explained to Nicodemus how he was going to accomplish this, when he said in verse 15 of John 3, Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus' ultimate mission was to die upon a cross for the sins of the world, that the likes of you and me who are part of this world could share in his. His mission statement can be found in Luke chapter 4 and verses 18 to 19, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This was confirmed by Peter, who said in the house of Cornelius in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus confirmed he wasn't of this world when he prayed for the disciples in John chapter 17 and verses 14 to 16. When he prayed, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Okay, so that's what Jesus said about himself. But what did his father say? Well, the father confirmed the origin of Jesus when after Jesus was baptised by John the Baptist in uh, Matthew 3 and verse 17, then suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son 
in whom I am well pleased. God broke through into our world and confirmed in one sentence everything Jesus would claim about himself. To conclude, let's have a brief look at some of the other scriptures that confirm Jesus' testimony about himself. Way back in John chapter 3, we read that John the Baptist confirms the word Jesus spoke to Nicodemus when he says in verse 31, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And the Apostle Paul says these things in Ephesians 4 and uh, verse 10. He who descended, that's Jesus, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 47 to 49. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Those verses not only reinforce Jesus' testimony about himself, they also confirm Jesus' testimony about us when he said that we are no longer part of the world. Because, as he said, as we have borne the image of the man of, of, man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We bear his image so we will be like him. We will see him because we will be like him. And they also reinforce Jesus' testimony about himself. They also ultimately confirm the words of Jesus in his prayer for us when he said, they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. What a saviour we have. Because that also speaks of the regenerative power of Christ's redemption for all who believe in the fact that we too are now partakers of the divine nature. So there we have it. <clears throat> Testimony from two or three witnesses to the fact that Jesus is not of this world and that because he isn't of this world by his death and resurrection, he opened a new and living way for us to pass through our world and enter his. You can read that in Hebrews 10 and verse 20. Well, that's it. What a great thing to know that Jesus was not and is not of this world. And that because he isn't and because of his sacrifice, we too are now considered to be of his world. Even though we are people of the dust, as Paul so eloquently put it. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom.
Until next time, may God bless you. Amen.